United Clans, Enoch, let's go. Yo, yo, uh, take me back to my reversion. Unite the clans, I give thanks to each person. It's that same holy water that we immerse in. It's that same tradition that we all each verse in. United we stand and divided they win. They ignited in their plans and divided they sin. If you think about it, they see us all for the same lands. Their biggest fear is that we all remain friends. I got love for Team Marsh and y'all podcast. I got love for Michael Matt fans. Ryan Grant, Rick, Barrett, T. Flanders, Eric Sammons. Shout out to my boy. John Everton, avoid Babylon. I got love for Anthony and Rob Speak on. If you try, you're persecuted the same for the weak heart. Our rules go way back before the Genesis of Greek art, sweetheart. Ooh, this is a late one tonight, boys. <laughs> Usually we go a little earlier. Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to Avoiding Babylon. We have a very special guest tonight, Eric Sammons. Uh, we're excited about this. I want everybody to please, uh, what do they, what do the kids say, Eric? Smash the like button. Uh, that's what the kids say. That's right. So like me. Smash the like button. Get too old for that. But I understand because I'm like, hey, hey, fellow young people, smash the like button. <laughs> you are the meme with, uh, what's his name? Steve Buscemi, right? He's literally the Steve Buscemi meme. Um, yeah, my brain's firing on like two cylinders tonight. So we'll have to oh, well, make it work. Twice as usual. So I was going to say it's twice as many as usual. This is going to be an Anthony Rose tonight, just so everybody knows, <laughs> between the two of these guys. So if you guys are catching this for the first time, please subscribe. Me and Rob are, are trying to hit um, 1,000 subs before the end of this year, which I think we're getting pretty close to. We're on our way. Um, I asked Eric to come on tonight. I know Eric's done nine Advent shows already. He was on Tim Gordon already, did his own already. I'm sure he's been on other people's, but we do things a little differently around here. And I've actually read Eric's book, unlike Tim Gordon. So had to throw that in there. Um, <laughs> oh, everybody does love Eric. So uh, Eric, last year I had actually sh uh, shot a tweet out and I asked, anybody have any good recommendations for Advent? And somebody suggested your book to me. So Eric wrote a book, The Jesse Tree. And I grabbed it last year and I started doing it with my kids. And it's something that I actually think is, is if you have little kids especially and uh, you're trying to pass the faith on, this book is something that's so great. to. So what Eric does is he takes, uh, it goes through salvation history. So you're going through, you're starting in Genesis. So you start with uh, Genesis, the creation of the world. Then you move on to Noah. Then you go on and you go throughout salvation history. And you, and Eric will actually take, he, I think his wife, your wife helped you write this, right? That's right. So he'll take the, so let's use tonight, for example. Tonight was Noah. I actually just did it with my family. And Eric will go through explaining, uh, you read the actual chapters out of Genesis of the flood narrative, and then he'll give you a little meditation on it. And he explains how the flood is a prefigurement or a type of baptism. So it's a good way to actually catechize your children and explain to them the Old Testament figures and what typology is and how to instill that in your children so that they can pass it on. So, so Anthony, do you have do you, which edition do you have? Do you have the old, the first edition or the second or both? I have both because I have the 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 paper, the blue one, the, the old one. one, and then I actually bought the Kindle edition, which is the new one. And right, I've been okay. using the new one because I never. I, there's a couple of new things in there, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's almost completely rewritten. I mean, it's the same basic structure and stuff. Okay. I got it. I haven't told this story publicly. I've been saving it for your show. 
because I know nobody <laughs> watches it, so it's a good time to do it. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, so okay, so we wrote. So my wife and I. The story is is that my wife and I have been practicing Jesse Tree since we were married, so twenty seven years ago, and we we had a book that we got that was just from the 1970s. It was crap. I've told this part before, but, and it was just, you know, it was just loopy. It would talk about like everything was environmentalism or I don't know, like global, just weird stuff. So that's why we started doing our own things. And we eventually ended up writing a book and we self-published it, I guess it was five years ago now. And, you know, through Amazon. So you just get on Amazon, you self-publish it. And it it did every year. It does, it does well. And it was good. But then this past year, Sophia Institute said, Hey, we'd like to publish it. And so we, we really did rewrite it a lot. They have it's a much more beautiful cover. The, the, it's it's a, you have the Kindle, but the, the pages are nice and thick. They'll last forever. Glossy. It's great. I would definitely uh, suggest getting the the paper version because even the Kindle version, I have it's a little glitchy. So I have to um, sometimes I have to actually um, like throw the app out and then reopen it because when you first open it, it, it has a little glitch in it. It's still perfect. Everything's great. So if you right. wanted to get the Kindle edition, that's perfectly fine. But you you really do see how uh, so it, it, the intro too. He really Eric does a great job of laying out what typology is, and it, there's two books that I really think are great for catechizing, and this is one of them. And then uh, John Bergsma did a, a Bible Basics for Catholics book, yeah, and that's a great one to do with your kids also because it actually gives you a couple of little activities you could do with the kids, like you could. You know, like when you're going through the story of Noah, you draw a rainbow with the kids and you put the animal like he does. He does it really well to teach Catholics like just the basics, high points of salvation history. But the Jesse tree, that's exactly what you're doing. So you're going through it. And um, it, it, tonight wound up me explaining the whole Genesis narrative to the kids. And like because they were they were asking why, you know. Noah was 600 years old and things like that. Yeah. So it's yeah, a- that, I when I brought that when I was reading that tonight too, I was like, one of the kids is going to have to ask me, like, what the heck is this about? <laughs> they did, and I think they knew I was in a rush because I had to go talk to some Yahoo on the internet. <laughs> so it was like, hey, what are you going to do? Um, but I haven't finished my story yet, though. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. That's okay. So I end up the so when they say they're going to publish it, I'm like, okay, great. It came out in like early October, something like that, in time for Advent, obviously. And so I went to Amazon on my dashboard and I unpublished the the, the self-published version. Because I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to try to sell that anymore because I want people to buy the new one. Well, Amazon didn't unpublish it. So I contact their support. And they're like, oh, that's just because there's some used copies. I'm like, no, it's live. They keep going back and forth. I screenshot my royalties report that says they're still selling it and paying me royalties. I'm like, you're still paying me royalties. Clearly, you're still selling it. They escalated. This goes on for like a month. And finally, they're just like, well, we just have some in inventory, which is BS because it's print on demand. Yeah. They don't have any inventory. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, I'm getting frustrated because people are buying the old copy and I wanted mm-hmm. to buy the new one. So which then one do you like, make more money on? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> the, the old one, but I don't make that much. So like the, the new one sells for $17.95. The old one was selling for like 12 I had it set for $12.95. I make a few bucks on that. Yeah. On each one. But I'm like, okay, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to jack the price up to like $39.95 just so people won't buy it. So they'll buy the old, the new one. Yeah. But Amazon keeps the discount to $12.30. <laughs> so it's still cheaper. But here's the thing. 
my royalty goes up because it's now $39. I get a much bigger royalty. Get like <laughs> so I'm like, I still don't want people to buy. So I'm like, screw it. I set the roll. I set the price to $109.95. Amazon still kept, keeps it at it's right now. The old copy is for $12.30. I make like 60 bucks for every single <laughs> Wait a minute. Are you it's telling so me much. they have to cover the, the, the yes, loss? Yes, they're there? covering the loss. Are you, are you kidding me? And I tell so, you, I tried to unpublish it. I, I begged them to unpublish it. They would not unpublish it. I thought if I jack up the price, then nobody would buy it. I'm doing everything I can to get people not to buy it. But the Amazon <laughs> insists on people buying it and giving me a bunch of money for it. So, so, so if you they, give me yeah. 30 bucks, I can buy the book. Okay. I told I my sister this story. That's the first thing she said. Yeah. That's what my sister, when I told my sister this story, the first thing she said, she goes, okay, here's how it's going to work. I'm going to buy 10 copies. You're going to pay me this cut and you get the rest. I'm like, no, that's going to that's increase its sales rank. It's going to be show up higher than my, right, I want wait. people to buy the new book is my this point. Is why, this is so. why people think they're getting a regular advent show with, with yeah. Eric Sammons. And I'm going to show you why you're not. <laughs> yeah. And so I am, I'm like, so yeah, I should be getting a pretty good check in January for a book I don't want people to buy. So so listen. Know. So uh, my wife worked at uh, BB's years back. Okay, so uh, BB's is like a you know a clothing shop. So now they give a fifty percent discount to family families and friends. So my wife's mother goes in and buys a whole bunch of clothes at fifty percent off. She decides she doesn't like it. So she goes to a different BB store on Long Island. My wife's working in the city and they give her a full price discount on the clothes. My mother-in-law thinks, oh, look what I got away with. That's My that wife- 30 Rock. That's that 30 Rock episode. There's a whole 30 Rock episode about this where the guy who plays Frasier's in it and they are basically getting this discount cake and then they return it for full price for cash. And yeah, they're, they're trying to they have this whole scam going on. Yeah, this whole scam, the cops showed up. Yeah. <laughs> they well. almost arrested my wife. That's great. My wife had no idea her mother did it. She was like sitting at work and then all of a sudden they're like, you have to come in the office. And they're showing her video of her mother at the Long Island store returning it at full price. It was this whole oh thing. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Then, needless to say, she got fired. She lost the job. But she didn't get yeah, I guess so. Thanks, mom. <laughs> I mean, I've tried everything. I mean, I've really tried to get people not to buy that, that old version of the book, but yet- Amazon keeps pushing. Well, can, it, so. can they get it on Sophia directly? Yes, and I actually don't want people anybody to buy anything at Amazon. I, I wanted to buy it. You can actually buy it at my website, EricSamons.com, and that's, and that's how that's the that's link in the description. Makes the most money is if you buy it directly from the author like that, mm-hmm. or I'm happy if you buy it from SophiaInstitute.com as well. And you yeah, get the Amazon- ornaments at Sophia Institute as well. You can't buy the ornaments from me. You can buy it from Sophia though. Amazon's ridiculous because I bought this microphone that I'm using right now. I bought this microphone on Amazon. They sent me two. And I'm like, I, I don't want to steal a microphone. So I tried to return it. They wouldn't let me return it. So I wound up giving it to Joe Boca. Joe Boca is actually in the chat right now. I okay, I'm up- just going to take over this with another story. I don't care. Go ahead. Tell him um, what. This is what I want. <laughs> so this is my son. My son is, uh, he's, the, he's the treasurer of student government at Franciscan University. And he was buying a statue for like a big event there. Um, yeah. You know, he's using the Franciscan funds and everything. So he finds a discount. Like he basically finds a place that sells it and he found like a promo code. So he gets it uh, like 20% off. And, but then he realizes it's not going to get there in time. So he asked him like, are you going to get here in time? Like, ah, maybe, maybe not. So then he goes to Amazon, finds it full price, 
but he's like, oh, shoot, I got to get it because I need it. It was for a Christ the King celebration yeah. they were having there. He's like, I got to get it. So he just buys it from them. But then the other place is like, oh, no, we can get to you in time. He's like, okay. So he tells Amazon, cancel it. Amazon's like, well, I can't, um, you know, we actually already sent it. We're going to lose money. Uh, we really want you to buy this. He's like, well, I got it cheaper somewhere else. He's like, well, okay, we'll match that price. So Amazon gives him 20% off, gets it to him the next day. So he goes to contact the first place. But before he does, he gets an email from them saying, oh, the promo code you use actually is invalid. You're going to have to pay full price. Do you still want it? So he ends up getting Amazon, a discount from Amazon <laughs> on a promo code that didn't actually exist, but he never lied. I mean, he thought at the time it was all legit. So so the Samus family is just scamming Amazon as much Listen, as we can. we're robbing BB, you're robbing Amazon. It is That's right. <laughs> Let me ask you something. What are some of the things you actually do with your family? So I, like, the, the, a lot of people are like, especially in the trad community, so like I just really started attending the Latin mass a few years ago. Right. And, and you come in and then I put a picture up of us putting our Christmas tree up right after Thanksgiving and I get lambasted. Right. (laughs) It's not Christmas yet. And now it's like, I just came into this world. Like I know I'm not, I don't know everything yet, guys. Can you slow down a little bit? So what, what I have is a lot of traditions, the way I used to celebrate things, but I do want to incorporate a more traditional way of doing things. So what we've kind of done is like put the brakes on it a little bit. And instead of de- decorating the entire tree that front right away, what we what we'll do is do a little bit each week to kind of build the anticipation of Advent and do it that way. Is there anything that that you do similar to that with your family? Yeah, our, our big thing is we first of all, we do celebrate St. Nick's Day, uh, December 6th. We make a big deal about that. There's the, we get the stockings out. There's little presents, you know, little tiny gifts in them um, the morning of St. Nick's Day. So that's really neat. And we don't really do anything before that. I mean, Christmas stuff. We have Advent stuff out, the Advent wreath, do the Jesse tree, obviously. Um, but then we, on uh, St. Nick's Day, we do that. And then after St. Nick's Day, that's when we start building up the Christmas in, as far as in the house. We'll get our tree usually sometime between St. Nick's Day and St. Lucy's Day. St. Lucy's Day is a big day in our family, too. We have a daughter named Lucy. She's out of the house now. But uh, we, we do certain traditions for St. Lucy's when Day. When is St. Lucy's Day? St. Lucy's Day is the 13th, and there's this tradition that what happens is the oldest, I think it's, I can't remember if it's the oldest girl or the youngest girl. We always had our daughter Lucy do it. She wears a, like a crown and candles. We have like a, it's not real candles, but I think in Sweden they do real candles. And what she does, she wakes everybody up in the morning and like uh, with a light, she's holding a candle because Lucy means light. There's the candle. And so then they go around and wake everybody up and you have like a special breakfast that morning um, together for St. Lucy's Day. So we do that as well, but like between St. Nick's Day, St. Lucy's Day, we usually get the tree. We don't start, we put it up, but we don't start decorating until usually after St. Lucy's Day. And then we, you know, and that's, and that's it. And then of course we get the stockings up beforehand. Uh, and and I, I, I have good friends who they've always done, they don't put the tree up till Christmas Eve and that's fine. Uh, we don't mind that, putting it up for a little see, bit early. See, to me, it's like, I get that it's not Christmas yet, but there's something about the, the feeling of Christmas being there, right? Like I understand it's not Christmas yet and it shouldn't actually, the festivities shouldn't start yet. So, I mean, we're fasting, like we're, we're doing little penances and stuff. And I, and I heard you talking to Tim Gordon about it, how these are supposed to be joyful penances, right? They're not right. supposed to be Lent penance. It's so the, the, to this day, Rob and I have actually mentioned it a few times. I think the greatest show on Catholic YouTube that's ever been done is the one where you and Taylor Marshall you, he actually asked you on to talk about being a traditional Catholic, and I think he thought you guys were going to talk about the liturgy mainly, 
And you came in and you started telling these little stories about how to live a, 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 la- a, a life with a with a pace of fast, fast feast. And you gave these little anecdotes of like a friend that you go out, you went out with that. He would always just let the person in front of him, whatever that person ordered, he would order. Right. And like little things like this. And it actually changed the whole way I understood Catholicism before that, because look, I am very new to the traditional movement. Like you're talking four years of attending traditional mass, but really learning all these other things has taken time to really incorporate into my life that episode you and taylor gave so many it was a two-hour episode my wife and i both listened to it it was amazing i i mean i re-listened to it every once in a while it i really would love to get the two of you back on during lent even if it's not on my like my channel nobody watches our channel but like if you guys did one (laughs) what if taylor was on it (laughs) that's true (laughs) but if you guys did one around lent like you are you even uh taught me how the the way to conquer other sins is through the stomach. Like if you can control your appetite, you'll actually conquer some of your other lusts and your other passions, you know? I think people don't real, and I, I took a long time to realize this and I struggle with it all the time, but how much our, you know, our bodies and our souls are connected. And so when you read the church fathers, when you read the desert fathers, when you read all so many of these saints, they talk so much about fasting. In fact, one of the things I think that makes you have the mentality I've just been thinking about this recently of a more traditional Catholic is if you if you pray the old divine office uh, and I only do like uh, lauds each morning. I don't do the whole I don't have time to do the whole thing, but just doing that. And we read this, the, the, the saints and the prayers, the colics from that. It's amazing how, first of all, it really shapes the way you look at Catholicism because it's very different from the modern liturgy of the hours, which is most of those prayers are very light. <clears throat> you know, they don't really say much. But like they'll say things in the prayers like, you know, Saint so-and-so who uh, uh, denied himself bodily uh, pleasures for the sake of the kingdom, stuff like that. I mean, it's like real hardcore when you read their saints' lies. I mean, all of them talk about like basically it was like if you want to be holy, you have to fast. And I was like the more I read that, I was like, man, that stinks because I hate that. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so it's like I, I had to like realize that you got to do it. And that, that's when. So that was a number a few years ago. I started realizing that. And that's when like my wife and I were definitely started learning more about actually physically how to fast. And that's that's a big thing for me is that I know for a lot of people that hear fasting, um, it, how tough it is, how hard it is, and that they, they can't do it. But most people can do it if they do it the right way. And and I think so when Advent rolls around, you can add those fasts and it doesn't make you hangry all the time. It doesn't make you just completely miserable. It actually then makes your advent more preparatory, more penitential in a good way. Um, but I think that's something that you, you learn over time. I mean, I'm old enough that I've had time to learn, you know, some of this stuff. Uh, but I, and I, I remember that episode well with Taylor because I thought, I, I thought the same thing. I was like, I was very happy that we did it because we were able to like talk about not because traditionalists, we love to talk about the liturgy. That's the one thing we're always going to talk about, but it's more than just that. It's really a, a whole lifestyle change. And, and I think that in Advent's a perfect time to really start to embrace some of those traditions. We tried to make like this, um, like the Jesse tree book. The, the one thing we did change the most probably in the first, from the first edition, to the second edition is we, it did get a little bit more trad. I say that in a sense that we don't really have the references to the new cat, Catechism, and we tried to make some of the prayers a little more trad. I mean, we didn't. It's not a trad book. I mean, I hope. What year did you write the original? Anybody? What's that? What year was the original written? 
five years ago, 2017. Okay, okay. And it was done over, I mean, the truth is we wrote it over a long period of time because what we did is we, for 15 years, we did it in our family with that crappy book, which would give us the scripture reading. And then I would freestyle it or my wife would freestyle it each night and just say, okay, we would just say what we thought about it. And the kids kind of chuckle about that sometimes. Um, (laughs) And then what we did was some other families, we, they were like interested in it. So we just started writing it up in like Microsoft Word and printing out and giving it to our friends. And so that's how it started. And that would have been maybe 10, 12 years ago. And then, like I said, five years, we're like, hey, let's actually write this into a book. And, you know, I've been taking traditional Latin mass for a long time, but I wasn't, you know, it was more like 2018 that I kind of flipped the switch a little bit um, in mentality. So, but again, this book is not intent. It's not like I think any practicing Catholic get a lot out of it. Um, you know, we don't go well, like for trad or anything I'll, like that, but we I'll try t- to incorporate some more traditional elements. I'll tell you this. So like I, I told Eric in the break room, um, my wife had bought a Jesse tree book earlier, uh, from an author Ann Boskamp that she really loves. And each day is like a 30 minute read. And it's like to get your kids to sit down for that long is impossible. It just is. What Eric did was he packaged this into a five to 12 minute read and he gives a slight little reflection on it he actually explains the typology that's going on in the reading for you so even if you're not well versed in some of this stuff he's going to it's almost like being you will if you don't know the old testament well you should be doing this but if you have children especially these little things that we do with our kids like you don't really like i have these vivid memories of sitting with my mother up in my bedroom as a young kid praying the rosary with her and my brother these little things are the things that our kids are going to look back on later on in life especially if they hit a rut in their faith like i did like rob did i'm sure you weren't you weren't a christian your whole life before even becoming catholic right eric i'm sure you had a little bit of a a time away from your faith yeah it wasn't too long but i did in high school i i went a little wayward for a little while Yeah. So when that happens, you have these little things that call you back to the faith, these little uh, seeds that God instills in you. This is such a great way to actually pass the faith on to your kid. And I have everywhere from uh, 12 to 17 and they're still doing it with us. It's like it's very difficult to sit and get your kids to pray a rosary every night. But this is short. It's five to 15 minutes. You're actually going over scripture. And and it's something they'll look back on and remember that 15, 20 minutes every night during Advent, building up the anticipation for Christmas with the family. And then you get to actually speak about things and talk about things in the reflection and stuff. Yeah. it's And then so what what um, during Lent, what like what's the difference in. Like, do you do anything like this for Lent when you when it comes up? You know, that's it's interesting you ask that because my wife really wants to write an equivalent book for Lent, and that's kind of her her one day she hopes to do that. Um, and I think and I, I think that'd be great. We don't do that specifically anything like this specifically. What we typically do during Lent is, um, I mean, we're we're praying like Compline and stuff at night with the kids each night. And we do the martyrology. We read through that each day, each evening. And in Lent, what we do is we often have, um, like my wife will do like the, the uh, paper rings and you tear them off each day and they're purple except for Sundays or white. You know, you, you tear them off each day. Uh, and we do the thing where you have the, if you do a good deed, you put a, I don't know, something bean in a jar or something like yeah. that. Um, you don't tell anybody about it, stuff like that. Um, and so, and so that's the kind of stuff we do, but I think it'd be great to have some type of scriptural walkthrough during Lent as well, uh, because I, I think that that'd be a good way to, to kind of go through the 40 days. Uh, but Advent, it really sets up nicely because 
I mean, the Old Testament is like one big long Advent, and so it, it's like it's a prep the, the time to to prepare for the coming of the Christ Child. So it fits in very. And of course, the Jesse tree is something that's dates back to the Middle Ages. So it's not like we invented it. And so yeah. um, there's nothing totally equivalent in Lent. Now, what do you guys do when? All right. So when? What do you actually do for uh, Saint Nick's Day? Like so, but only I'm only asking because what we what we've been doing, and we just started this two years ago. Like, it, it it's it's amazing to me when I see trads go nuts on on newcomers. It's like you guys got to chill out a little bit, man. Like people are just learning this stuff. So what I had just learned. So I have a son, Nicholas, and we never even celebrated Saint Nicholas Day before we started attending the tr- traditional mass. We started going, and I learned about Saint Nicholas Day, and we started taking their slippers because I heard the story that St. Nick would put, he put money in the, and the father couldn't afford the, um, the dowry for his daughter. So he put money in the, in the, in the shoes. So what what we've been doing the last couple of years is putting their slippers out. Now, either I will buy them new slippers or if their slippers are still in decent shape, I'll stuff them with things like a stocking stuffer. Is that similar to what most people do? Yeah, that, that is. I mean, I know people who do the, they have the little, um, the shoes that they lay out the night before, stuff like that. We just do stockings, are, are the same stockings we use on Christmas Day. Actually, my my mother-in-law, she knits stockings for every one of her kids and every one of her grandkids, her sons-in-law, and they're they're very nice. And so we have these, and in fact, when she um, passed uh, near the end of her life, she couldn't really do it for my youngest daughter. So my one of my older daughters d- knitted it, and uh, which is very nice. Now she's knitting one for her fiance. So we have these special stockings. Each one has their name on it and stuff. And we put them out the night before. Uh, what also we do is I, every single year, because I grew up Protestant, did not celebrate St. Nick's Day. Every year I'd forget to get something to put in my wife's stocking. Like she gets them for mine. She gets them for the kids, or I should say St. Nick would. And then we, <laughs> in case they're watching, um, my 25 year old daughter, if you're watching, it really was St. Nick, not, not your mom. Um, but anyway, so she would get stuff to put in all the stockings and I would forget every year, every year. So, you know what she did? She just buys herself something, puts in her own stocking. <laughs> it's Listen, sad. It, I, it's my really wife got sad. a my wife got a stove for Christmas this year. So, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. I do remember Christmas. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, it, it's St. Nick's Day. I forget every single year. I don't think I've bought my wife anything. I was telling them the other day. I said, but what I do is. My wife's birthday and, and Valentine's Day are a day apart. So her birthday is the 13th, Valentine's Day is the 14th. So what I do is I just book a trip somewhere I want to go. And then this, I go, she gets the combo present. And I'm like, oh, I'm taking you to go do this. It's really just somewhere I want to go. But last year on my birthday, she did it to me. And for my birthday, she booked nice. the trip to Arizona. And I'm like, you're learning. You're a little right, too exactly. slick. <laughs> Rob. Yeah, so, uh, so it's oh, nice. Yeah. We well, on St. Nick's Day. So it's usually a little small something, a little stocking stuffer type thing. Nothing big. Um, but the kids love it. They get up first thing in the morning. They, they open them up. And we have a little breakfast together. Now, how old is your youngest, Eric? Seven. So they ring. All right. So now do you actually tell your, your youngest ones? What, what do you, what, how do you handle Santa with the younger ones? Oh yeah. That's the big trad debate too. I mean, it's a Catholic debate too. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. We never say like we do, we do say on St. Nick's day, like St. Nick brought you this. Um, but for Santa, we never say uh, Santa Claus brings you anything. We never talk about Santa in the sense of talking like we say he's, uh, you know, real or anything like that, but we never say anything against them either. And so they hear about it in stories and other places. So I think every single one of my kids have believed in Santa Claus, even though we never promoted it. We never, again, we never denied it either. We just kind of left it alone. 
And then, and I think every single one believed in him. And I think every single one, you know, eventually figures out. I, I think my youngest knows now that. Yeah, you know, it's such a weird. I won't because, say it out loud because I don't want people, young ears listening. No, believe wherever you want. You yeah. don't want your kids to ruin it for other kids either, right? Like you don't want right. your kid to be the one that goes at seven years old and ruins all these kids' Christmas. So now. When my son was seven, he asked me straight out because he was smart, this kid. And he goes, are you telling me a man comes down that chimney and leaves me <laughs> presents? And I'm like, yeah. like, oh, don't ask me this. He's like, my that. philosophy is if the kid asks, they're old enough to know the truth. You have to tell them. So I, I think, told I think him, if right. they ask straight like that, he clearly understood Wayman doesn't make sense. And then you just tell him the truth and you explain so, it to I mean, him. He's old enough to know if he asks. The kid said to me, he goes, tell me the truth. That is Santa real. And I was like, Nick, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I said, I, I but I remember a, a big disappointment in him after that. Like it was almost like the magic was gone. So what I tried to do is incorporate him in setting out the presents the night before and tried to make it a little exciting for him. Right. And he never ratted us out. He never told his sisters anything. I was really proud of him for that. Um, it, it but now so my youngest now doesn't believe in Santa anymore and it's it's kind of like it takes some of the fun out of it like yeah. it's kind of exciting when the little kids believe in Santa I don't know if if if, if this trad saying don't tell your kids about Santa I, I'll fight you on that one that's that's not a hill to die on for me but yeah yeah and me either but yeah so one of the other things we do on on Christmas morning I hide the baby Jesus that goes in the in the crib. And I hide baby Jesus. And even now that they all know everything, I tell them they can't open their first present until they find baby Jesus and put him inside the cradle. Oh, that's cool. When I do that mainly because I want to sleep a little late and I hide him really good. And they'll go. take it up at 5 a.m. looking for little Jesus. And they're like, like, oh, well, look, yeah, once my once my kids like were off in college and coming home for Christmas, they were just like, we're not getting up. And the younger kids just had to suck it up because they're like, we're not open until all the kids are yeah, up. And everybody. I mean, sometimes now, now actually we, and in fact, they don't even want to go to midnight mass anymore. So they, they, we just go to mass in the morning. We don't open up till we get back from mass on Christmas day anyway. And the younger kids kind of know that, um, you know, one thing we do, you're talking about the baby Jesus, you know, we keep the baby Jesus out of the, 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 uh, stable you know during advent so that's another thing we kind of do we have the manger all set up and we put baby jesus in on christmas day but also what we do on christmas day we get the three kings out we don't have them out yet and we oh. we have them far away from the manger and then every day leading up to epiphany we bring them closer and then on epiphany they actually oh, enter into the cool manger. idea yeah that's and awesome. so the kids like move the, the three kings along the the room however as if they're following the star exactly and then they end up on at on epiphany they end up at in the manger i i think i don't know if my wife or one of my kids thought that up but i thought that was pretty cool rob how old uh how old is maddie now he's what three he's gonna be four in january so coming from somebody with such young kids so iggy's iggy's a baby so iggy's not even two yet right right yep so what are you starting to do anything with your kids yet like to to build that anticipation? we're going to uh we're gonna put the tree up uh probably Gaudete sunday and then i think we're gonna slowly decorate it with ornaments you know from then to christmas and then we'll light it for the first time christmas eve now, Eric, will you go until February second till Candlemas, or do you go to a? No, because we buy the the tree a little bit early, like we buy it after St. Nick's Day. It is so dead, and yeah. so we usually go 
obviously past epiphany and usually sometime uh, a week or two after epiphanies when we usually take it down. I tell you, I hated the idea of a fake tree. My wife sold me on it. I hated it. I was like, no, you need a real tree. Cause I grew up with a real tree and I was so, and I'm a stubborn thick headed Italian. I'm like, Oh, you got to do it my no. way. She no, sold me on the fake tree. She got me in on the fake tree. It's the greatest thing ever. You just take it out when you're ready. I shrink. I saran wrap the thing. They they sell rolls of like shrink wrap at Home Depot. And I just wrap the thing up really tight. And I stick it up in my attic when I'm done. I don't have to have to worry about going and picking a tree ever again. It's amazing. Yeah. The problem with waiting until after St. Nick's Day to get a tree is usually all the good ones are gone. Yeah, you're getting, and, you're getting so we, like last year, uh, our tree did not get a lot of good reviews when the kids came home from college or like, yeah, this and this. But we went to a place, cut it down, and like it was the best we could we could muster at that point. Everything was gone. Yeah, I'm 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 down with fake trees. I'm all about it. And then um yeah, I, I listen, I, the main reason I wanted to bring you on was because I, I was so like uh I was looking for a, a silly advent tradition, and what I wound up finding in this book was like a great catechetical tool for my kids and a great way to to just sit with them for 10, 15 minutes each night and actually go over scripture with them. I mean, my, you have what, seven kids? Yeah. Do any of them have a hard time connecting with the faith? Uh, not really. I mean, you know, as they get older, I mean, they, they have to make their own choices and stuff like that, but they all, you know, they've all maintained, they're, they're all practicing Catholics in other words. And, uh, you know, they, they, they definitely, um, it's important. The faith is important to, important them. to all um, of them, but you know, the one thing I always think though, and I've always say this, I, I'll be honest, I'm actually uncomfortable with that question. And the reason is, I just want to make you feel bad, Anthony is because I know oh. that, that the way, you know, kids have free will, a parent can do everything right. And their kid can fall away. Yeah. A parent can do everything wrong and the kid can end up being a great saint. In fact, that often happens. And so like you can do everything right. And I don't. And, and so parents who have kids who who fall away, it, you know, it's not necessary. I mean, maybe they did stuff wrong. I mean, parents can do stuff wrong and it screws their kids up. I mean, that happens, too. But the point is, is that you can do everything right. And the kid still has free will. He can decide later, you know, he, he's going to go a different way or she or whatever. And so I, I just try to. Always, I always want to make sure I make that very clear that it's not, you know, every parent wants their kids to end up practicing the faith their whole, and, and embrace it and live it. Um, but it's not like a competition. It's not like you're a bad parent necessarily. Because yeah. I know some very good people <clears throat> who have kids, kids who, who fell away and and they did, you know, they, they did everything they could. And um, I, it, it's, it's, it's not a science in other words. It's more just like. You know, you do your best and and they have to make their own choices then. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty open about it that um one of my kids, I feel like it doesn't matter what I say, it's kind of just a, a disconnect and just disinterested. Now they, they they still come to mass and everything's fine. It's not that. It's I can just kind of tell when I'm talking, I get the eye roll a little bit. When I say it's time to come up and say prayers, it's like, oh, you know. So a hundred percent agree with what you're saying. It's you could do everything right, but I, but that's I, I also think that's why some of these things you do with them when they're younger are very important for if they do fall away, they do have the, that anchor. Absolutely. That'll that'll pull them back in. after they Because I, I mean, I grew up in a in a house with nine kids. My parents were Catholic as anything. And I mean, I was in, uh, you know, going to retreats when I was younger and I fell away for a good decade. 
you know, but I did have that. And anchor. If you have that foundation and you hear that story a lot where people just make, you know, some dumb decisions in high school or college level, you know, you know, early adulthood and they, they just feeling their way around and they finally realize, and the nice thing is they have something to go back on. I will say the one thing that I like about the Jesse tree is it does give your kids like almost through osmosis over the course of 15, 18 years, whatever, an understanding of the, the basic structure of the old Testament. So when they yeah. hear about, they know, they know, for example, Moses came before David. <laughs> yeah. They know the basic story of each of the most important figures. <laughs> I mean, you know, like Jeff Cavins has that Bible timeline. That was great to do that. Scott Hahn talks about that a lot. You know, the whole covenant, yeah. the structures there. I think those are all great for adults, but it's nice. The Jesse trio, I really like is like, it, because you do it every single year. And like you said, it's five to 15 minutes a night for one month, basically. But it does give them, they, and like, you know, just tonight, we were doing Noah and like the kids, like they, you know, the, the, I, the ones at home are seven, 11 and 13. And, and so like the old, even the 13, even the 11 year old, she was putting the ornament up today and she knew exactly it was Noah next. She didn't even have to look. She's like, I know Noah comes after Adam and Eve. And, and she, you know, they know the basic story, but by doing each year. Well, tonight I realized more. as much as I think I'm teaching my kids, when I asked my kids, Eric's thing asked a question tonight. What is the sign of God's covenant with Noah? I mean, you think everybody knows it's the rainbow, but my my daughter was like, uh, I don't know. I'm like, oh, really? Okay. And you think like, I mean, I I probably told my daughter did the same thing tonight. By the way, my seven year old. <laughs> yeah, I've told the story a hundred <laughs> times. You would think we just did this last year, but that's what I mean by it's a, it's a great. It's a little bit of a trick question though, because the scripture reading that we include does not mention the rainbow. Yeah. Well, it was a way opportunity then to talk about that some more about the because we can't have the scripture verse be too long. So no, and even like so you you explained that typologically that the flood is a prefigurement of baptism, but I also explained how the reason the the uh, the land dries for seven days is to bring us back to the idea of creation and everything. So a lot of people understand that the Old Testament is concealed in the New, and the New is revealed in the Old. Or maybe that's backwards, but it's also the Old Testament is prefigured in the old testament so when you read genesis then you read exodus you'll see those same patterns in 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 exodus that you saw in genesis it's the same it's each book is a typological fulfillment of the last book and it's it's not just a pattern of only looking for jesus in the old testament you'll see these things happen over and over again and it's good to get into that rhythm and understand yeah and that's why i think there is that rhythm and i that's why i love the typology i mean the way that the we broke down the the new edition of the book um, by the new edition people um, is just a reflection. <laughs> and that's like more the family for like with the younger kids and everything. And my wife primarily wrote that part. It's and in the di- deeper, that's particularly, you know, and you can do it with any levels. You can, everybody knows their own family, but like that's more for the teenagers, the adults. And that's the part I wrote mostly. And because the idea is you can go deeper, like you can do it just on the level of, you just want your five-year-old to know about the rainbow. And yeah. then you start, then as they get older, that you can understand, okay, it's a sign of a covenant. Then you say, okay, what's a covenant? And then you start going. And so by the time they get to be teenagers and older, they're at least familiar with all this stuff. They might not have memorized or, or know it real deep, but they understand the idea that God works through people. He establishes covenants with certain individuals. And so then they understand, okay, when they read about the new covenant, when you know, Jesus mentions it at the last supper, the new covenant, 
there these things at least have deeper meaning than they would and it's literally just from five to 15 minutes for one month a year with your kids yeah yeah it's that's why the the one that my wife had picked earlier was 30 minutes there's no way i'm gonna <clears throat> get my kids to sit for that long so these are quick they're they're 10 to 10 minutes 12 minutes and they also lead to a greater discussion that you can have with your kids and they're going to ask questions and then it's just to get your kids once they start getting older i mean my my daughters are in dance your, your daughters are in dance right eric you know how crazy. actually my my daughter came back from dance to and then we did jesse tree so it was they came back from dance we did jesse tree then i jumped on here so. yeah it's so it's so crazy once the kids start getting into dance the daughter's dance is nuts so expensive <laughs> so you know we're keeping it pretty low-key right now because she's uh you know she's seven she just does once a week an hour i think it's an hour and then she has a recital in may or something i have like that. two all, all we do right competition now. i mean my kids are going to california in june for their yeah we, we don't insane. do that we we did a lot of stuff with baseball mm -hmm. with my son and looking back on it, I kind of wish we hadn't been that much into it as we, I mean, my son loved it. I love my time with my son doing it because I only have one boy. And so it was great to have that. You have I love girls. Six yeah. girls. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. Friend. Yeah. I mean, and, and my son's right in the middle. So he's blessed among women. So, I mean, he's got three, <laughs> older sisters, three younger sisters. And, uh, yeah, but he he and I got had a great time, you know, bonding and everything with baseball. But I just looking back, it, it took away from the rest of the family. I think a how, too how much old is Peter? it's Peter, right? It's, yeah, yeah. Name's Peter. How old is he? Uh, Nineteen. You think he would ever come on and just and talk to us and just like? Oh, I'm sure he loves the, talking. So the I'm, question I is, wanna, if Eric would, would let him. Well, yeah, I would want to ask. He's him, nineteen. Is, I can't stop him at this point. I'd want to ask him what are some of the things that. Uh, so, like, uh, the thing is, when I, I, would, I, I would just put it this way. If he was on, I would be very nervous. <laughs> no, I would never ask him anything I shouldn't. No, ask. I'd be nervous what he would say. <laughs> he knows where all the skeletons are buried, man. Listen, there's nothing like your kids to throw oh, everything out there. <laughs> yeah, they all keep me humble. Yeah, but actually, I would, would be my daughters. I'd be more nervous about. They jumped on. They would just be like, "Yeah, I have a rule. I don't ever mention. I don't like ever talk about my daughters. Like, I don't give their names. Don't give their pictures online because yeah. they're my my daughters. I'm." Not going to do that. My yeah. son, no, I don't care. You know, he can protect. I, I follow him on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I follow he just, Peter. He just, he just uh, hung out with Michael Knowles last night at Franciscan's. So. Oh, did he? Yeah, because he was just on Frad's show, right? Yeah, yeah. And he was, uh, he gave a talk and he sent me a picture of him and, and Michael Knowles. That That's pretty cool. cool. Yeah, I would want to get him on and just ask him what. So, like, when I explain my conversion to my kids, I tell them about the time I spent away. And then I tell them, you know, I kind of had like a, a pretty intense experience of coming back to the faith. And, and my son's like, well, I don't know. Will I ever have an experience like that? But the thing is, if you're taught the faith from a young age and you never leave it, you kind of don't need that conversion experience. Right. You know, it's not, it doesn't need to be this moment where, I mean, for me, there was one, one instance where I was reading scripture and it felt like the words were living on the page and coming alive to me. And there was, there were a few instances like that where I, I, I tried to tell them that like, sometimes God doesn't work like that in everyone because they don't need that. You know, it's actually superior to, to live it out your whole life. And it's like, that's a, that's like the Mary way. Like Mary didn't need ever need a conversion. And that's actually a superior way because you're saved from, from a, a much more, you have a deeper foundation. You're and it, Cause the fact is, is like, we know, for example, that those, um, uh, like the people come in RCIA who come in the church, a large number of them fall away later. Um, and so I, I, I always said like people, when they hear I'm a convert, they're like, Oh, that's so cool. I'm like, no, actually I prefer, I would have rather have grown up Catholic because even things like, for example, 
when I uh, when we started having our you know our family, my my wife she grew up in a cradle Catholic family, um, but and her parents are great, but like I had no experience of what it was like to live in a Catholic family. My parents were good good people. I, I love them to death, and you know they're they're they were good Protestants, but like that's not the same thing. And so you're, you're kind of I'm kind of winging it on how to be a Catholic dad because I don't have that example of a Catholic dad in my own life. And so what I did was I literally, there's a couple of my good friends they, who were raised very good, you know, good Catholic families. I looked to their parents as like models of, okay, how Catholics, in fact, I lived with one family for about three or four months or something like that. And, and I learned a lot about how a Catholic family lives. This is before I was married. It was a great experience because it's like, okay, here's how you guys do things. I, okay. I get this. Now you're praying the rosary each night. Okay. You do this at, you know, and you talk about this at the dinner table. So did you, convert you don't know before, that as a convert. Did you convert before you were married? Oh yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't related to my wife at all. It wasn't like for, for reasons of marriage. I knew her and I started dating her actually between the time I decided to convert and decide I, and when I came into the church, because she wasn't interested in me when I was a Protestant, then all of a sudden I said, I'm going to become Catholic. She's like, okay, now you're, now you're in the market. You know, what now was it that, I, I want to get into a whole, at, oh, go ahead. Sorry, you Ron. met at a, uh, um, doing pro-life work, right? Yeah. Yeah. We were both going to Miami university in Ohio. We were both in the pro-life group. I was one of the few Protestants who was mostly Catholics in the group. Uh, so we knew each, we had been friends for a number of years and then I, I converted through the, the experience of being around those Catholics, including yeah, my wife. Right. I mean, she's one of them, uh, but it's mostly my my roommate, my my best friend at the time. And then I converted Catholicism. And then, and I, I had to go a, like thirteen months from the time I converted to the time I came into church. Actually, fourteen months. And during that time, actually, I started dating her. There's this crazy thing that's like, especially as a cradle Catholic, there's like this instinct when something bad happens. Like even before you told me you had uh, uh, six curls, I went like this, right? Yeah. It's like that that instinct to make the sign of the cross. I, I, sometimes I'll watch a movie and something bad will happen and, or somebody's dying and they don't make the sign of the cross and I'm irked by it. Yeah. It's like that that sign of the cross is such a powerful thing. It it. Anthony, they're making fun of me, Eric, because I'm normally not this. Anthony's being so chill. <laughs> well, it's late, guys, I, and I I don't want to make Eric not want to come back on with us. Um, That's too late. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Wait, can I tell this funny story, I, Eric? You, so before I ever did anything, I sent Eric um, like an article. To, Notice how to you like didn't read. wait for him to say yes. You just so went. listen. Listen, I sent Eric an article a while back. It was the first time I ever wrote something. I sent it to Eric. And I'm like, Eric, don't, I'm not asking you to publish this. Just please read it and let me know what you think. So he goes, the, the writing is fine. He goes, but I'm going to tell you right now. He goes, you, you're talking about yourself a lot and nobody gives a crap who you are. <laughs> like, he's like, you're not Scott Hahn. Yeah. So it, instead of rewriting the article. A YouTube channel. Instead of rewriting yeah, the article, I said, let me become famous like Scott Hahn and then resubmit the article. There you go. In about <laughs> in about 50 years, it'll be ready. We'll that's be the, able to publish it. That's the now. narcissist in me. No, I'm not going to change what I wrote. I'm going to become as that's famous right. as Scott Hahn so I could get on Just so show. you know, I have actually told that the mo- – I didn't say it as – frankly, I only said bluntly to you. But I do get submissions sometimes where people tell a very personal, like the first-person story, and they're – 
nobody knows who they are. So nobody cares. And yeah. that's just the reality. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you got to tell, you got to, you got to be saying something that people are interested in and you can bring in personal anecdotes. People love those. Yeah. But it can't be a story about you if nobody right. knows who you yeah, are. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I was actually yeah. so grateful for, for the, because at first of all, my feelings would never be hers. The first time I ever wrote anything, it's like, and I told you, I was like, be brutal to me, like be harsh. But um, just even the idea that you've, that you've read it. And then you were one of my first guests that ever came on here. Eric, you're, you, you're really, um, I, I'm really, really grateful to you. I mean, it's nine o'clock at night. I know the last thing you wanted to do was actually come on here. I hate doing it until I actually get on. Once I get on, I always have fun, but like that lead up to it, I'm like, Oh, I hate doing it. Well, you this. really, you really get nice after nine o'clock. Don't you? I'm going to, that's the only thing I'm going to come on from now on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I sat in three hours of traffic. I worked in the rain all day. It was terrible. So I got, I got another, yeah. this is a very quick story, but it's a good, like showing where, where we, I've come from. I was talking about how I started dating my wife, uh, when I was in the process of converting. And then I, uh, at my Easter vigil. So I go for communion and I receive communion from the priest. And then I received the chalice from my wife, the Eucharistic minister for the night. <laughs> she was my wife at the time, my girlfriend. So my girlfriend. So kumbaya, baby. What was Be not afraid? You what know, was all that the catalyst that sent you to the traditional mass? Uh, it was when I was in um, when we moved to Florida. So we've been attending Novus Ordo Parish, a decent one. It had kind of crappy music, but it was actually a decent one. And then um, we moved to Florida. And I was going to go work for the diocese down there and every parish nearby, uh, she was not wearing a Grover shirt. <laughs> thank, thank <the> Lord. <laughs> that would come later. Um, but the, uh, so anyways, we moved down to Florida and where we lived, every parish or every normal parish around us, I just, I, okay. My wife and I had a standard because of our kids. We're like, okay, we have to make, we only go to a parish where we think, that the faith can be handed on by them. And to us at that time, it was simply, you know, no sort of parish, all we were looking for, but they had to take you know, the liturgy relatively seriously. Yeah. No, no crappy music or terrible, bad preaching, heretical preaching. And it was like, we, that standard was for our kids. Cause we felt like if this, because every person's number one contact with the Catholic church is at, is at Sunday mass. And so if that is, heresy or just a real unseriousness or whatever the case may be that seeps into the kids consciousness and so we were like we have to be at least on some level well none of the parishes around us fit that and so then i was like and i had gone to a traditional mass once or twice before this but there was a, a fraternity parish fraternity saint peter uh about 25 minutes away and so we're like well we'll go here and see what we it's what year it's, was this 2011 so t- uh, 11 years ago. And so we realized this is where we have to go. And we weren't going because of traditional Latin mass. We were going because it wasn't, you know, it was, it wasn't irreverent. It wasn't, yeah. it was, the preaching was good. And, and we did have some struggles there at first because like the, the trad stereotype has some truths in it. And, you know, I'm working for the diocese. So I'm like working for the enemy and, um, <laughs> you know, with some, and there were some great people Especially there. We back, some- in, but back in 2011, it was probably there, so like right now you go and there's a lot of people during COVID that were regular Nova Zordo Catholics. So you get a nice mix now, but yeah, back in 2011, absolutely. it was a very more insulated community. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, it was it was very different um, back then than it is now. Like our parish today, that I'm not in a fraternity parish because we moved, but uh, the parish we're in now, I would guess at our mass, I would say I wouldn't be surprised if 80 percent of the people there didn't attend a traditional mass three years ago. 
Yeah. I mean, that's how many people we've gotten new and they're all, and they're all just the, this is all awesome. And so it, it gives a very good vibe, but back then, most of the people there, they were attacked all the time. They were, they were <clears> under <throat> fire. They were looked upon as crazy. Nobody liked them. And so they did have a mentality, a, a defensive mentality. I don't blame them for that. I mean, I wish they'd been a little more open. And there were some, like I said, some people who were very, were still good friends with them to this day. In fact, one guy, I got to call him back. My goodness. He called me like a week ago and I haven't called him back yet. But anyway, um, but yeah, so we, we, we started tra- traditional light mass. Then we went there for five years uh, until we moved. Um, and, and I fell in love with the traditional light mass. My wife took a little bit longer. That's uh, what I wanted to ask. Now. So, so yeah. because my wife didn't, it, it was a little bit of, I mean, I, the first time I went, I was in awe. I was like, I can't, I want to go back here. I was, I was like, this is home where my wife and daughters, it took a little time, but yeah. they, but they followed me wherever I went, but it took a good, let's say 10, 10 of them, eight of them, yeah. maybe eight yeah. of them before they felt like really comfortable. And then now they, they can't go back. Like, right. Yeah. And it's back. the same uh, with my wife as well. And, um, and my daughters as well. I mean, uh, you know, um, like my older kids, they grew up mostly in the Nova Sordo. They didn't start to traditional light mass. So they were older uh, and they mostly like switch around and stuff like that, um, which I'm fine with. I'm not like a big yeah. stickler with a lot of stuff, but yeah, so we, we really enjoyed, um, you know, we really felt that that was, we felt very comfortable with that because the problem is here's the problem. We start t- attending traditional Latin mass is it's very difficult to go back after that because, and it's, it's not more like, shocking than your first Latin mass. Right. It's not like, I know like some notice order people might say that you're being judgmental, you're being harsh, whatever. But until you've experienced, it, you don't really understand. It's more just a matter of, you're not sitting there nitpicking the notice order. It's just like, but it's hard not, to realize what you're missing. That's mm-hmm. it more for me. Yeah. If somebody mm-hmm. does something terrible, I'll notice it. But if I'm going to know a sort of mass, I'm not like looking at all. Oh, they didn't do this. Like this. They didn't do like it. No, I'm just like, I miss all the stuff that I get at traditional mass. And that's, it's more like a little bit of a sadness than anything. Um, and it's, and it's, imp- it's like once your eyes, you, you know, you've red pilled, you just can't do anything about it then. Yeah. One thing I, 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 I you said something the other day. I don't I remember. I don't remember if you said it on your show or maybe, Somebody was talking to you, but uh, if if people would just stop paying attention to what's going on in Rome, it's like you have beautiful opportunities in your local parishes now that they did not have 20 years ago in the crazy times in the 70s and 80s. So if you're just not addicted to the news on your phone and seeing seeing what the next story is and what like what did Francis say now in the airplane ride? So if you really cut a lot of that stuff out for your own inner peace. And just live your parish life. Like I have a beautiful diocesan traditional parish that I go to. The community is phenomenal. I know so many people in that scenario. I know Rob's not able to. Rob's two hours away from one. It's a little bit different, but it's not it like everybody makes it like traditionis custodis is the end of the world. And it's like, it might be in your diocese where you are, but if you're in a diocese where it's not affected or it's not. uh, Are you you archdiocese of New York? No, I'm, I'm Rockville Center, Long Island. Okay. So I do go to New York once in a while. And I go to Holy Innocence in uh, Manhattan occasionally, but I mainly stay on Long Island. How and about Dolan just completely ignoring Traditionus Custodis? So did my bishop. I know, but I mean, Dolan, I mean, most of us aren't fans of you, Dolan. Yeah, but but Dolan's not a fan of Francis. That's exactly right. Because he, I mean, he's the one who who uh, finally revealed McCarrick. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's because of Dolan. And he, I think, to my knowledge, he's not done anything when it comes to traditionus custodis. And so you got to give him credit. I mean, 
the guy people, I just people not have watch things, him, but yeah. People have things to say about Dolan, and I understand. I mean, especially if you watch Church Militant and stuff, they'll tell you that he's this and he's that. Don't look. He's the, he's the arch he's the archbishop of New York. It's not a cardinal of New York. It's not an easy gig to have. You're in one of the most right. liberal cities in the world. I'm not saying forgiving anything he does, but what I'll tell you is he allows holy innocence to continue. And there's also three other Latin mass parishes in the New York City archdiocese. Holy Innocence is the most amazing parish I have ever been to or seen in my entire life. There is Latin Mass seven days a week. There is confession three times a week. There's on Sunday, there's three Latin Masses. It is the most amazing parish. They were going to shut it down a few years back and people protested and Dolan said, okay, I'm going to leave it alone. You guys can keep your parish. The priest there, Father um, Mayara, is, he's, I'm closer with him than any other priest I've ever been close with in my entire life. So, I mean, I, I, I will I mean, never say a bad thing. Yeah, you compare Dolan to the other Cardinal, Supich, Gregory. I mean, it's like yeah. the new McElroy. I mean, Dolan's practically a knight in shining armor compared to those guys. Yeah, and he is pro-life. I mean, look, I'm not I, – I, I, Rob and I actually try not to ever discuss the hierarchy on our channel right. because we don't want, like, to rile people up about these things. So, But saying something good about the hierarchy, I don't see an issue with. So, But, yeah, w- Rob and I really just kind of want to take some of the toxicity out of the air. I feel like everybody uh, – when they become a trad, it's all this like negative and like, Oh, what, where, 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 it's like, you still have to remember to be joyful and have fun. And like, well, I think a, a key point that I've always tried to remember is we're not trying. Our goal isn't to be a trad Catholic. Our yeah. goal is to be holy. Yeah. And I personally believe that being a trad mm-hmm. Catholic is the best way to holiness. But if you, if you confuse the end with the means you're going to have a big problem. And the means is, is practicing as a trad Catholic to, to the goal of holiness. Yeah. But if you, but what I find is, is it, and it's a temptation we all fall into. I, I have to, if you think to yourself, okay, should I do this or not? Because this is a trad Catholic thing to do. I think that's the wrong question to ask. The question is, okay, should I do this or not? Because it's going to help me draw closer to Christ, grow in holiness. That's why you should do it or not do it as the case may be, not because it makes you a better trad Catholic or a worse trad Catholic. Cause I always think it's funny when people, you know, they call me a semi trad or I'm not really, I'm just like, that's cool. I, I don't, I don't care. I'm not trying. Like one person was even, I heard somebody on Twitter was like saying like, you know, railing because like, Oh, your kids aren't, aren't, you know, not trad Catholic, something like that. But I'm like, I don't want my, my, my goal isn't for my kids to be trad so to, be me to be a trad. My goal is for them to be saints and me to be a saint. And I have a long way to go. But they have less way to go because they had me as a dad. Don't you miss John Paul II talking about personal holiness? I mean, that guy, people have a lot of things to say about John Paul, but that man spoke about personal holiness all the time. I got an article coming out next week about uh, St. Jose Maria Escriva, the founder of Opus Dei, uh, because I know some traditionalists really have a heart, a real problem with him and with Opus Dei. And I, they're actually, Sophia reprinted my uh, Holiness for Everyone book after our Sunday visitor dropped it last year, and, and it just came out. But really, my point is that St. Jose Maria is a perfect example. He does not line in Opus Dei. They don't line up exactly with trad Catholicism. And I have criticisms of how Opus Dei does things today. And I, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy to, to share those if people wanted to know, but most people don't care. But ultimately, what I look at is St. Jose Maria gives very practical advice that helps me to live a better and more holy life. And he's done that for a lot of people. And to me, that's what matters the most. You listen not to some of his sermons. Team or not, it's more like, okay, does he help me? Is he practically helping me grow, draw closer to Christ? Well, then that's what I want. You listen to some of his sermons or read the way. 
it's similar to reading the imitation of Christ. Yeah. I mean, he gives some, um, I, I, I'm, I, it's so weird how trads they'll hear something somewhere from someone. And it's like, Oh, this is, this is doctrine. You're, you have to hate Opus Day. Oh, you have to hate John Paul II. Right. It's like, guys, you gotta really. And that is, and we, we should be fair though. That's a, it's a very small number of actual trads, but they're vocal a lot on the internet because like you said, like at my parish, I mean, everybody there loves church like mass. They go probably most of them would kind of consider themselves a trad if they had, if they were forced to d- identify themselves, but they don't care about that stuff. They, yeah. you know, they all love Scott Hahn, who is, yeah. you know, you know, he's, he's a closet trad kind of, but, um, <laughs> they, they, lo- they, 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 you know, they love people, you know, they, they don't care about the labels. And so, but it, it's only when you get on like Twitter or something like that, you st- or, or some blogs, you start to yeah. see that more. And that's why I just tune all that stuff out because, you know, it, it doesn't, all that stuff doesn't really matter. Uh, I'm going to, we're going to cut this a little short because I can't, I promised I wouldn't keep Eric on for more than an hour. It is getting, you know, this past my bedtime. Um, but um, I would love it if around Lent, maybe you talk to your buddy Taylor to come on with us. It would really help. <laughs> <laughs> I got no pull with him, man. I'm going to do to him what I did to you. I'm just going to get in his DMs and I'm going to bother oh, him until man, he says yes. Yeah, yeah he's going to block you and he should. Nah, he can't. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. You know what? Forget him. Can you get Scott Hahn for me? I want to. <laughs> I want to talk to Scott Hahn. Oh man. yeah, this guy's pretty busy. <laughs> I know, I know. All right, Eric, I appreciate you coming on our lowly channel. This I always have fun talking to you, man. Honestly, you 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 always get how to make fun of me. <laughs> Very few people understand how to how to go get get away with sarcasm the proper way. Eric is actually hysterical. I'm I hear hoping you what- people don't like understand on, on, I'm hoping people on Twitter think we're actually like these mortal enemies. That <laughs> That's my goal. If people think we're actually just like hating on each other. Uh, and I, cause I, I mean, I'll just drop something terrible about you. And I just am hoping someone's going to be like, Oh my God. I, and I then Eric I'll was a nice guy. Say, I'll quote tweet. I'll say, I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> so guys go out and buy Jesse tree. If this is your first time watching, you caught our video because of Eric Samus, please like, please subscribe guys, share our videos because we have to do something with the algorithm. They don't like us, but we're getting close. We're almost at that thousand mark. I really do. Eric, thank you so much for coming on me. Rob, I didn't let you talk tonight. Are you all right with that? It, it, <laughs> I've learned. I have to be. <laughs> I'm a I'm a microphone hog, <laughs> Eric. Anytime you have something to promote, but, uh, we don't... the the link to Eric's book is in the description. So make sure okay. you guys check that out. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, I know we don't have a huge audience, Eric, but we do have a loyal audience. So yes, anytime you anytime you have anything to promote, you let us know and we'll throw it out there for you. I really do appreciate you coming on, brother. Okay, thanks, guys. Good All night. Right. I'm going to sleep. Kick us off, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to cleanse. Enoch. Let's go. Yo, yo.